want to welcome everybody to a very special episode of the Task Talks podcast. Um, we kind of thought it would be fun after the season is over to do kind of like little mini episodes where it's just kind of pairs of the normal panel, the normal podcast crew, kind of just having conversation. We don't have necessarily a very big subject or anything we want to talk about, but just have conversations amongst us, almost like a one-on-one where there's not necessarily one interviewer or one interviewee. We just talk. Um, so obviously this is Chris Ponce and with me today, I got Brooke Roberts. How you doing, man? I'm super duper. And a little behind the scenes too. This is during Thanksgiving break. Um, so there will be conversation about, you know, an extended time break and, you know, Thanksgiving in general, but Brooke, how was your Thanksgiving? Do you have a good one? It's been very good. good. It's been very good. Uh, still, still eating the uh, turkey and ham leftovers. Yeah um so it's it's been really good you know cracking down on some movies uh we got the christmas decorations up so so what what is your latency period between when thanksgiving ends and when christmas goes up yeah um so i'm a big thanksgiving macy's day parade uh guy watcher and uh so that is must see tv it's it's on the appointment book uh thanksgiving morning and uh, so I get, you know, I'm starting to get the turkey ready, put the parade on. For me, Christmas begins, Christmas season or whatever, when Santa comes down the the, the parade in front okay. of uh, in front of Macy's. So that's that's when it's okay to. So it's a fluid time, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, that does not happen any earlier than say 11 a.m on uh thanksgiving morning um but i'm outnumbered in my family and um so uh we 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 pretty much rent a storage unit to keep the christmas decorations in um because that's what my wife and our daughter like to do and uh so we moved all of the christmas decorations in two two pickups um and got it to the house early in the week um but they're not they don't put anything up until uh until santa shows up uh at the macy's parade fair enough so how about you so you know i would say up until the past couple years so i am a big thanksgiving guy my birthday is november 22nd so every few years it falls on thanksgiving day so i've thanksgiving is my favorite holiday um I enjoy it immensely. I do most of the cooking. So I cook the turkey and I do a bunch of that type of stuff. So it's a very big commitment type of day for me. Um, and typically in the past, I, my wife and I have been very strict on Friday is when we're allowed is when we start putting everything okay. up. But in the past okay. few years, you know, we've had our son, you know, he's two now. Yeah. Um, so we are a little bit more excited to like throw up yeah. decorations because he doesn't get it. He just Thanksgiving is whatever to him. Christmas is the next big thing after Halloween. Um, so this year, actually, we we had our big Thanksgiving dinner or lunch, I guess, in the morning, kind of around 10 or 11 ish. So we were done. Everybody was gone. We took a huge nap and everybody was up and going again by 3 p.m. And I was talking to my wife and I was like, hey, let's just let's put it all up now. So we put everything up, everything up on Thursday. So it's mm-hmm. all everything's in the yard. The Christmas tree is up and decorated. The house looks fantastic. Um, but really, the kind of the change was due to having a kid 
right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, and we, I, we, we do not have two truckloads full, but no, I, well, but I would assume give us like 20 years and we can, we can get yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, the, my wife tries to have some sort of a Christmas tree in, in every room that's on a timer. And so yeah. I'm, I'm the logistics guy. Um, I put the trees up, uh, and and program all of the lights and stuff like that but no we have not moved into the electrical house um you know the uh what is it the 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 synchronized light displays got it so well i wonder how long that'll last too because it's always a new thing or a new kind of tradition Mm -hmm. and and my wife really wants to have trees in every most in the Mm -hmm. big major rooms in the house because we do have a lot of windows so she would like to you know, display them in the window so people can see them. Yes. Yes. Um, how long does it take you guys to put everything up? Um, well, it's still going. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> and that started, yeah, it started Thursday morning. So, uh, it will be ready to go by Sunday night. Do you uh, have an, and we'll, we'll be able to put the car back in the garage and all that kind of stuff. So, good. do you have an item that you guys have had for decades that's still part of your decorations uh mistletoe yeah okay. i got the mistletoe in a doorway and then there's a a key that goes on the back of the door uh it's kind of like the santa key that uh you know in case you don't have a fireplace yeah uh, and i think we've had that for quite a while um so stockings are the original stockings nice so yeah yeah Good. so We've got uh, ornaments on our trees that I that we had when we were kids. Really? Yeah. I so. still have I still have all of mine um, from all because I my grandparents got me one every single year from this Crayola collection. So I have like at this I mean it, it stopped probably when I was about fourteen or fifteen, but I have like mm-hmm. fifteen crayon decorations mm, from cool. when I was a little kid. Um, and so my wife continued that tradition with my son, Oliver and Hallmark makes them. So she, for the past three years, she's gotten the Crayola. So it's just now continued. There's a huge gap in the, in between from like, you know, from like the early two thousands, like 2019, but there is there. And so now there's, it's a lot of crayons. So our Christmas tree is very colorful and we do not do themes as far as like ornaments are concerned. Uh So it's just hodgepodge. There's like chiefs ones, whatever Mm -hmm. crayons, there's random Disney ones on there. So it's good stuff. I like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, so one thing that I kind of want to talk about, and I thought was relevant to our big extended break is just kind of how do, what do we do during our time when we're not at school? And um, knowing that Brooke does have, we'll say for all intents and purposes, two jobs, two settings, you know, yeah, you have a university yeah. profession and then you have a practitioner profession. I thought this would be very relevant to kind of what you do but for instance for me i've always had a very strict no work from home policy but i know a lot of school psychologists are not like that and they can't at least a lot of the ones i've talked to they have to work from home they don't choose to but they feel like they have to work from home and i try to kind of i'll say push the narrative that you don't right you have a long time during the day and i know our jobs are super busy and i have huge caseloads but still you're still able to manage it but what what is your policy, Brooke? Or has it changed over the years? I, um, I I would say it's changed some over the years, um, and I am not a model example of uh, <laughs> <laughs> of uh, discipline. Um, and it's not so much that I procrastinate 
to do the heavy lifting in the evenings as much as I'm, I just, I kind of reverse my days and my nights, if, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. whereas um, a lot of people, you know, maybe spend their day doing their report writing, I tend to do, use my day um, kind of reading and mm, chasing my curiosity. Got it. Um, and, and we're at, so then I get into a, my flow. Uh, I don't know if you have a flow, yeah. but my my flow as a school psychologist, at least as a report writer, doesn't really start until, you know, in, until late afternoon or evenings. Um, and so now that has changed a little bit because I can't stay up as late as I used to. <laughs> it's not the same as when you're younger, right? <laughs> no, no, I used to could stay up till, you know, midnight or one writing, you know, putting oh, those finishing touches on a report. Um, but I, I cannot do that anymore. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not a good, I'm not a good example. Um, yeah. Has it, have you, o- has it always been the way you've worked? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Um, for, for the most part. Uh, I would say so. Um, a lot of people, you'll hear, hear a lot of people say they do their best work at the last minute. And yeah. and I don't necessarily think that that's my modus operandi or anything. Yeah. Um, it, it's just kind of what happens. Um, and so that, I don't know. I, when I was, you know, when I was full-time in the schools, mm. um, I really couldn't find the time to write during, okay. And I didn't have to manage meetings. I didn't have to do um, ARDS or prep forum or anything. But I did spend a lot of time doing counseling. And I, you know, I was in a co-op. And so I had nine different campuses spread out over uh, a couple of different counties. Um, and so I was, you know, I spent a lot of time in the car driving from one campus to another and, and then, you know, seeing the kids or chasing them down and uh, trying to hunt down people to interview. I and this is one thing that I, I don't know how you feel about this, um, but I generally don't just give a form to a teacher to fill out and then return to me. Um, so, and I, that's one thing that I, that we tell our students a lot is, you know, you're not just going to give a bask and put it in a teacher's, um, right. you know, a teacher's mailbox. Um, and so while that may not necessarily be the most efficient use of my time, I do find that it benefits the evaluations that I'm doing because I can spend, you know, I can spend the time with the teacher saying, okay, tell me a little bit more about that, the way that you answered that particular uh, item or, or they'll ask me, you know, what does this really mean? I'm like, well, just, you know, what it was, but that allows me the time after they complete their, their rating scale or um, checklist or whatever to really dig into uh, and spend some more time with, with teachers or with parents. Right. And I use a lot of structured interviews with all my types of assessments, but I mean, even so let's say for instance, every morning when I get to work, I have three campuses, the biggest one having a thousand kids, the smallest one having like 650, right? So it's, I'm not working on smaller campuses, but because of that and they're high needs campuses, I have to structure out my day literally by the hour. Right. And I know it's never always going to follow that, but at least I have some type of headway. And that way I know I'm doing something, whether it's dealing with a crisis or whatever, um, or dealing with this, one of my kids or something like that. If I'm not dealing with that, then I'm already, I'm 
sticking with my schedule. But what that helps me do is prioritize my time throughout the day, you know, because I know exactly when announcements are over, I'm either pulling my first kid or I have my first art or I'm doing something. And I usually leave my, I try to do all my testing first thing in the morning. And then I do report writing all in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And cause that allows me just to like after lunch, when I'm like, kind of like now settled down a little bit, you know, I'm kind of the foods kind of working through my system. I use that time to sit on my butt and just report right for the rest of the day. And I find that to be very efficient for me. Cause I do mm-hmm. get into those zones where I can knock out a report in like an hour. Right. But wow. that's because at this point, and, I, and when I say a report, I mean like an LD report or an ID report. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about like ED or AU or stuff. Those ones are always going to take an extended amount of time. But at this point, you know, I know exactly how I'm going to write it. The structure is there. Um, the biggest part that I'm trying to focus on is I'll say it in this way. So we all kind of understand my argument for why the kid qualifies right? That's kind of what I'm starting to formulate and things like that as I work through my report writing. But because of that, I feel like I don't need to do anything at home, right? And I know there's some school sites that they work all day, they go home and they'll do like family time. It's not like they go straight into things. But like I was talking when she's like from nine to 11, I report right every single night. And, And to me, I just, I can't, I can't fathom that personally, you know, and everybody works their own way. But for me, I just, I just, I couldn't work that way. Yeah. Well, I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm in a different position than a lot of people. I mean, I think a lot of our listeners, a lot of our, you know, members of, of TASP um, have young families. They need to be spending time with, with their families. They need to be spending time with their partners and significant others. Um, and, uh, and, and so you are, you know, you are sacrificing um, a lot of time and, and we are taken advantage of. Uh, and so I'm not in any way advocating um, to bring work home. I wish I didn't operate yeah. the way that I did. Um, I don't know what the, Chris, I don't, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what it is either. And, and that's what's frustrating. And, and it's not, there's, the solution is never going to be for everybody because everybody works differently, right? I mean, I get in the zone where I just start working. It doesn't matter what it's on. And that helps me, right? But some mm-hmm. people can't do that. Some people like to have things come to them. They like to relax before they write reports. I've been listening to um, this great podcast called The Psychologist and Dr. Julia uh, Strait. She has a mini, mini series on like assessing, just testing mm-hmm. in general. And she goes over, right, right? Record review, interviews, observation, and testing. And she's coming from more of a private practice clinical perspective, but she still talks about it in the school setting as well. And the way she kind of frames and structures it is like, there's a lot of very important things that go into an evaluation for one kid. But if you prioritize all those things, if you're not prioritized, if you structure and organize your thoughts and everything together, it can be very efficient, right? It's just, how are you utilizing your time throughout the day? You know? Yeah. So I don't know. It was just something I, I wanted I, to bring up. <laughs> well, I, and I wonder, you know, even as we pose, I don't know what the solution is. I think we need to start th- moving in a direction and uh, what is the first you know in any problem solving process uh, what do we do we collect data right yeah um and um and and so one of the ways to collect data i'm not i i don't necessarily say you know write down minute for minute what you're doing in a day but um, write, write down, you know, in 15 minute increments, um, you know, what are you, if, if you handle a phone call or an email from a parent 
then you know take off 50 we need to be built almost billing ourselves or yeah. billing our our supervisors our directors um for in 15 minute increments the way that a lawyer would and and come back and go look this is how much i'm spent i'm not wasting time yeah. you know <laughs> I, i'm i'm actually using my time effectively and i'm still taking work home now it doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, oh, well, then let's find, you know, another school psychologist for you. <laughs> well, yeah. no, there are no more out there. Yeah, um, but but at least, you know, let's let's collect that data and know where we're at um, on an average. I did hear of a district recently where I think the school psychologist got together. And maybe I read this on uh, like one of those Facebook groups or something, um, but the school psychologists got together and they basically said, we're not going to put in more than 50 hours per week. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for any one of us. And they, they did that collectively and they hold each other to that. Uh, and so that's a, that's a step. Um, and that can help to protect your, your personal time as well. Yeah. Hey, over the years, just you doing this, what, what kind of, what kind of tips and tricks have you kind of noticed that have helped you? Because I know you, you kind of have a very open mindset where you're, like you said, you, you know, you may not utilize the time and what people may see as being efficient, but it works for you. But how, how have you, how have you created a system so that you are still efficient as a school psychologist, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm still not a good example of of health. Um, (laughs) One of the things that, that I guess when, when I was doing, when, when it has worked well for me, um, I, uh, I would block, you know, schedule my schedule, all my counseling kits uh, mm-hmm. for a week at a time, you know, making sure that at 1210 on Wednesday, I'm, I'm in this location. Um, yeah. And so making sure that those things that are, um, you know, like accountability measures, um, you know, are taken care of first. Yeah. If, if, if I may, and I think I, at least I've known you for a few years now, and would you say that a very strong part as a practitioner for yourself is conversing with other people? So I feel mm. like you're very good at that. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I would say I'm, I'm good. I mean, no, 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 you are. Uh, I think you, I, I like, think I like to talk. Well, I, um, but I think that's so. a very important part. I don't think you can be, I think an introvert would have a hard time doing this profession. Right. And I think extroverts, but it's possible, but it's oh, of course possible. it's possible. Um, right. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I feel I like that's my not... strongest thing is conversing with people, interpretations, interviewing. I feel like I'm good at that stuff. Right. And I can kind of get the information that I want or that I need uh-huh. Uh-huh. in a tactful way. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, this would be a really good um, conversation. Podcast to episode? Have. Well, uh, yeah, maybe a podcast episode. Like, I'd like to bring on some of my supervisees. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I guess I would want to screen them first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, to maybe kind of find what are, how did Brooke work? And, and yeah. uh, what are some things that, that he actually taught you? Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I do. I do like to talk. I, I did. I think I again another Facebook or tweet or something um, recently, um, and it was it, it captured the spirit of we don't necessarily ha- you know our job isn't necessarily about keeping all these timelines as much as we need to be a model of wellness for those that we are working with and serving. Yeah, and so being um, strongly self-regulated, um, being 
aware, um, being in tune, perceptive, observant, all of those things can help us to, to really be the school psychologist that we need to be. Um, and it's not so much about, yes, the timelines are important, right? But we also need to demonstrate and model what it is to be um, healthy, healthy individuals, healthy educators. It would be interesting to maybe, and maybe we can do this on this next season, because I do have some people coming on that are not, that are scheduled, that are not school psychs. And I would like to ask them maybe, what do they see in their, like a principal? Mm. What do they see as some, who is a good school psych to them? How would they describe a good school psych? Because I bet you they would say things like, meets their timelines, uh-huh. puts out fires that I don't know about, like mm-hmm. dealing with that. And I would like to, you know, kind of see their perspective on what are they looking for? You know, even though they're not always our bosses or anything, but they still have a, like the principal I have coming on has been doing this like 40 years. Right. Mm-hmm. So like in his time, what is, what, who have been the most efficient school psychs for him or the best ones for him? And what does he look for? You know? So I don't know. And I wonder yeah. if, it, and I wonder if the, the ideas behind those change between like us, what we think is one and what they think is one. Yeah, that's a that's that's really interesting. Um, and there are, you know, there there is some some research out there um, about principals and and teachers and parents' perceptions of uh, high quality psychological services and schools um, mm-hmm. that we should that we can dig into. Um, but but that would be interesting to kind of figure figure out. You know, I would say some of the principals that I've worked with would say they most value. Um, somebody who can really help diffuse conflict. Yeah. Um, you know, so no, it's not about the timeline. It's not about, you know, having this perfectly worded report. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's about the people skills and being able to uh, negotiate a lot of those, those things that help schools uh, stay out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but also help the, the administrators and the educators run solid classrooms and solid school buildings. Hmm. I agree. That's interesting. All right. So do you have anything else you want to say on this topic? It was just something that was on my mind. And I was just wondering. No, it's a good topic. Um, I, I think it goes back to uh, when Dr. Barbary asked earlier, uh, you know, in the year, um, and she said something to the effect of, you know, where are all the happy school psychologists? I, yeah. I think um, I, I think that we could also say the happy school psychologists are the ones whose um, whose schools are taking care of them, who are looking after them, who's monitoring, who are. Um, I really believe the you know the the practice the organizational principles of the practice model when when we are applying those things um, those principles and those standards um, we're going to see positive outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the practice model, TASP was just recently, and you had a whole session about that, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was awesome. What was yeah. what was your favorite thing about the TASP Fall Conference since we just had it? <laughs> Besides, oh. obviously, being in person and seeing everybody, we got a lot of great compliments about having it in person. You know, I, my favorite part is just watching the graduate students yeah. um, and like their eyes just light up and they get to... When they meet the podcast people, I know it's insane. No, right? they, so many fans, they, all three of when them. When they meet, you know, when they meet Charles Barrett, when they get to go to a session with Marilyn Montero, and 
you know, they get to rub shoulders with Sam Ortiz. I mean, these are the or they're professors, are, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's it's out of the box. It, it's weird to like. It was a big, like, weird eye-opening thing for me of like after I graduated, like, oh, my professors are kind of like my colleagues now, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm in contact with them. You know, some of them are on the board too, but like, I just, I don't. I just talk to them like normal and not like, Oh, Hey, like I know it's due next week. Can you help me with it? And like, you know, stuff like that. So that's kind of, that was weird for me at the first conference I ever went to. (laughs) No, it was a, it was a great conference. Um, Very well done by that, the team. And, and uh, I mean, I just, I think it went great. I think it was (laughs) so many people were looking forward to it. Just being, being able to see each other again. Um, At the very minimum, our, the bar was already set so low because nobody had seen anybody for a year. So they're like, I mean, at least we're going to see each other. It might go to hell, but at least we'll see each other. I loved, I loved sitting in uh, Charles sessions. You know, he was great on the podcast. He was great in real life. Yes. Um, Yeah. I'm always a huge fan of the grad student series. I think that's a very important thing. And I think that I, I assume the students enjoy that. I did whenever I did went to it um, back in the day. Um, Cause I think it's a nice, like realistic viewpoint of what it's like in the world. Um, so I think that's really cool too. Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was good. And, and we had the NAS president, you know, our own, our very own Dr. Laurie Close was was there. So yeah, great. Do you do you remember a very specific session from ever that you always will remember? I'll tell you mine while you think, because you may not know, and I need to give you time to think of an answer. But like the very first task conference I ever went to when I was in grad school, we went to a play therapy session. I have, I don't remember who it was with. But this amazing person, what she did is she basically, for the the whole entire session time, we played games. And they were all these play therapy games. They were counseling games. It was this great time. And it was all, it was, I think it was like 40 or 50 school psychs that were in that room. And she forced us to play together and do all these different things. And I still use some of them to this day, right? With like little sessions, if I'm doing anything with the class or with just students in general, like, you know, it's, it was it was a lot of fun and it was like weirdly bonding with the other school psychs in the room that were like students all the way up to like been doing this like 20 years. Um, and I'm, sh- I'm assuming that was not an easy group to show games to, yeah. <laughs> you know, especially when we all sit down, it's like a normal session. She's like, all right, so we're going to move all the chairs out of the room and I want everybody to split up into teams and that's your team for this entire session. We're like, Oh, Oh, you're going to make us play these things. We're not just getting handouts and like, <laughs> good luck with it or anything like that and there was even a game where we had to like build like a bridge with like four people not like we had like little squares yeah. but we had to fi- effectively like move around another team who was trying to cut us off at the same time so it got a little bit you know hairy there in the middle of the field but you know i still remember that one to this day and it was so much fun it was very interactive which i know some sessions can kind of lag on you're like oh shit we just started you know kind of a thing <laughs> right but that one did right. not at all yeah. we all enjoyed it uh, i know uh i i remember at least a couple of sessions from almost every conference uh task conference um and and remember kind of clearly where they all were um i remember one of the first task conferences I went to, Jan Opella. Um, if anybody remembers Jan, Jan was uh, 
Ranger Jan. She always had a Rangers, a Texas Rangers shirt on. She always had a camera with her. I don't um, know if you meant like Ranger, like Parks and Rec. No, no. She had a, she, she's a baseball fan. Um, I think she was Ashley Arnold's supervisor uh, for, for a while. Um, but uh, Jan was doing a session on the autism supplement. And I, I, I always hated the, I still do. Like I, I hated that part of the art meeting. Yeah, you know, it's going hard. Over. Um, and, uh, and she just made, she helped make sense of it for me. Um, so I, I remember that one pretty clearly. Um, and there, there are a few other, Ashley, Ashley and Lori did a, uh, an ethics session at a summer institute one year and um it was kind of like a arts and crafts type of yeah. ethics session oh, we fun. had to, we had to cut out the different ethics <laughs> standards and codes and paste it together it's like making a scrapbook and yeah you gotta make it um, fun somehow right <laughs> so it was uh it was it was very they were very creative good good all right so before we end for today i have some fun questions people have asked i'm not going to ask any like meaty questions or anything like that all these right. are all just like oh you know about us type of questions all right? Yeah. all right so what was cool when you were young but isn't cool now for me it was frosted pong. tips <laughs> pong <laughs> jesus christ man <laughs> it hit the ham the nail on the hand and the head right? <laughs> frosted um okay a hairstyle uh perm oh okay uh, yeah uh, I was looking through my, uh, which may help the age of my mother, but I was looking through her yearbook and like everybody, just everybody had perms, yeah. just all the way yeah. down the page. <laughs> I was like, was there no variability in this or what? So, um, let's see here. Duran Duran. Duran. Hey, I love Duran Duran. And I love the band that, I don't remember which one of them, one of them branched off after they split up and created a band called Yaz y-a-z and they put out one oh. album called upstairs at eric's and it's a it's a great album yeah. um but it's just one it's very like it sounds very 80s it's like very 80s synthy uh -huh. um but it's really fun so that's cool um so what is something you inherited from your parents what is a habit did you inhabit did you have it or do you inherit anything from them so we were just talking about this uh, at, at Thanksgiving um, because I came across a box of trophies from my childhood, baseball, soccer. Oh, do you bring that golf. out every Thanksgiving when everybody's around Brooke? Like, oh my no. God, my box of trophies no, is out I again. Was like, I was like, at what point do you just decide you don't need these trophies anymore? And so <laughs> I think it was just something that, that we... Uh, my brother and I inherited from it. We just saved little trinkets from our childhood yeah. as if we were going to pass it down to our grandkids, you know, <laughs> like, like oh as if, as if they care. <laughs> it's grandpa Brooks little league trophy. He, he bestowed it upon me. <laughs> it was when he's on the blue bombers. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> I know one thing that I got is my mom and I both have the same. I don't get a lot. I don't get very anxious about a whole lot. I do get very anxious about, time like legit being late i will become sick to my stomach to the point that like i'm like you know bent over and like like i i arrive super early to everything and i'm super okay with that like i will sit in my i remember for like most of my major interviews in life i would sit in the car for like 30 minutes before i even mm -hmm. walked in and just sit there yeah. like it started at nine i'm there like 8 25 and just sat in the parking lot for 30 minutes and then walked <laughs> in like i just showed up right? right but but it's 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 just something that i've always kept and maybe that's what makes then maybe it's a good trait to have as a school psychologist because i've never missed a timeline like i try to ard before my 45 school days is up 
Like uh-huh. that's always a goal with every kid that I'm testing. It doesn't always happen, but at least it's a goal that I shoot for, but that's a huge thing for me. And that it, it kind of sucks sometimes. Um, all right. What's a random skill you have? Oh, um, is this family friendly? This is family friendly radio. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear about um, your, your late night skill, sir. <laughs> special skill I have. Um, I used to could beatbox. That's cool. That is very um, and random. I, and I, I, so this is kind of interesting. I enjoy singing. Yeah. Um, and I like to sing bass. So I, I think I have a nice bass voice. Okay, this is going to be a dumb question. Yeah. How do you sing bass? You Ah, four-part harmony. So okay. like if you're like in choir, um, you know, in chorale, uh, I would always sing the, the bass line. Interesting. Um, so how about you, Chris? So one skill that well, I'm going to say it's a skill. I don't know if it's even a skill anymore. I used to be able to play the trombone, which was, it's a rant. I wanted mm-hmm. to two-part. It was an instrument that was already in my family because my uncle had one. And also I thought it was a very annoying and funny instrument. So I thought <laughs> that was the other reason why I wanted to play it. Like, you know, a trumpet kind of looks very regal, you know, drums are always cool. A trombone inherently, I might, I may offend people and I do apologize. Inherently it kind of looks stupid, right? Like it's just like a, a long right. bunch right. of tubes and you're just doing this and back yeah. and forth. So I thought that was a really funny instrument. So i I said, what the hell, if I'm going to be in band, I'll try to do that one. Um, another random skill I have is I, I love being dungeon masters of D and D. Okay. So, and I think being a conversationalist helps a little bit. I think Brooke, for instance, you would be phenomenal at it. I don't know if you've ever tried. <laughs> no, I haven't. But I do so. think you have to have, you have to be good at two things is one being in charge and one being very conversationally and being being able to improvise on the spot. And I think you're, you have both of those in shape, but I have a hard, I have, I have a hard time with fantasy games just in general. So yeah, just in general and, and not just games, the, the, the movie, the literature, like, I don't know. There's something about fantasy and sci-fi that I don't necessarily gravitate to. I was trying, we were watching Dune earlier. I would think I was telling you. And, yeah. um, and I just have a hard time getting into it because it's not the story that my brain is looking for. You yeah. know, my, my brain is looking for a, um, there's a beginning, there's an end. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's why sometimes we differ a little bit on the movies. <laughs> right. Right. Where I get a late night text like, Chris, why did you recommend this movie? It was dumb. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so did, have you, did you see House of Gucci? No, we didn't. We haven't watched it yet. Okay, all right. I'll be interested to hear your take on, <laughs> on that. Uh, so we watched it. We watched. Do you it like? I mean, there's a beginning and there's an end to that, and then it's real life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I got the whole story, you yeah. know, in in three hours. So, so here's the thing about D and D: it's anything you want, Brooks. So literally, you can. It's it's dressed up in a fantasy costume, but it is in bare bones is just a couple people hanging out. Right. I have one campaign where. For a few weeks, all we did was open up a shop, like a baking shop. That's what they did. They didn't go on any missions or anything like that. They're like, hey, let's, do you know how to bake? And we're like, yeah. And so they just kept rolling dice and getting better at it. And that's all, they just opened up a small business. They became small business owners. And I just kind of told them every once in a while, we'd have a robber come in or something like that. So you can make whatever you want. All I'm saying is give it a shot. I'm going to have to watch a movie. 
Watch, let me watch i'm gonna have to watch a youtube you have to watch a youtube on it, Just yes. watch YouTube on it. critical but role for anybody all, that listens it's all you fun. need to know for all you need to know about dungeons and dragons in five minutes <laughs> awesome all right brooke you got anything else you want to talk about today get off your chest man i could no i know i could I mean, we could talk we could talk for a long time i mean i can sense. tell you about the uh we went to a concert the other night oh um, what, who'd you go see it's called Postmodern Juke Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. Pretty pretty fun. We had a good time, but yeah. it was uh, basically uh, you were talking about a trombone. So they had a, like a one, two, three, four, five, five piece, six piece band. Mm-hmm. So piano, couple guitars, a drums, a trombonist, and a saxophonist. Which I played tenor sax when I was a kid. Um, so I'd like to do that again someday um but uh and and then they then they sang and they sang modern songs that were put that was put to music from the 20s through the 60s interesting so yeah you can just get on get on spotify or whatever and um and they just they did a show for two hours where they would sing modern songs there was a tap dancer that's great it was really entertaining that's really cool you know, you bring that up. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't expect you to know the answer. If you do know the answer, it's going to be phenomenal. What makes a good Christmas song? So my wife and I looked up the net worth of the individual who sings Feliz Navidad, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking up his name real quick, real quick, but let's see here. Jose Feliciano. He has a net okay. worth of like $25 million from one song. Okay. So wow. my wife and I have now made it a mission to create a Christmas. We want to be okay. the Banksy of music where we are totally just creating a song just for the income that would come in from it. Oh. But what makes a good Christmas song? Uh, a tambourine and... Um, it's a band. You have to have a band, right? You have to have a band. You got to have jingle bells. You got to have the bells that jingle. Yeah. Um. Even Fleece Navidad be... has like... It's like four sentences repeated throughout the entire time. It's it's got to be upbeat. Um, upbeat, and, I think, is big. Let's see. It's got to be something that people can remember uh, the lyrics to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's catchy and it gets stuck in their heads. I mean, what was the last giant Christmas song that came out? Was it like the Backstreet? I know Backstreet Boys did a Christmas album in the 2000s. Oh, it's got to be something like Mariah, right? Oh, yeah. Mariah mm. Carey's one, right? All I Want for Christmas yeah. is You? Yeah. Because when did that song come out? you'll have to find you'll have 17 no that's way too long ago there's no way oh 1994 i was way off but there's surely been a christmas song since then i bet justin bieber's had one or justin timberlake yeah but it's just like just so. we're just gonna try to nail down a very repetitive joyful great christmas song and i'm cheering for in. you i just hope um, i hope you can do it we're gonna go by pseudonames and then we okay. will wait 40 years and then show ourselves kind of like kiss unmasking in the eighties. I think that was mm-hmm. the thing, right. But they finally did like, Oh, wow. These guys are not good looking kind of a thing. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we want to do that. And I think that'd be really fun. But, I can't, I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait to, I can't wait to, uh, to contribute to your fame and success. Now to learn more instruments, but all right. So we want to thank everybody for joining us on this mini episode today. There will be other ones that intercut throughout the rest of the season before our next season starts. Uh, 2022 is going to be a huge year for both TASP and the TASP Talks podcast. We have some awesome guests that are going to be joining us next year. Um, And we really look forward to you guys uh, 
coming on, listening to us and rambling on for as long as we can. So (laughs) until next time, make good choices.